Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Hello again. In this week's Panorama, our Baltic stations fill us in on the electricity crisis they're facing. We also take a look at the new package of Russian sanctions on the table and gather reactions to the outcome of Italy's general election. The war in Ukraine and the ensuing energy crises are causing great hardship and uncertainty in Eastern Europe, and the Baltics in particular. In Estonia, the government has warned that Russia may cut the Baltic states off from the common electricity system connecting Belarus, Russia, Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania, the so-called Brel Ring. This statement alone caused a rush on candles and generators, as, although the country has been taking steps for years to diversify its electricity supply, if this were to come to pass, there would be a real risk of blackouts. Our Estonian partner station, Kuku Radio, tells us that there is a sense of widespread panic in the country. Mikkel Herm, chair of the board of Estonia's largest electricity network operator, Electrilevi, outlined the scale of the threat to Kuku Radio. Kui me räägime sellisest suurest üleriigilisest katkestusest, siis see täna on vähe tõenäoline. Such a large nationwide outage is unlikely today, but not impossible. For such a nationwide outage to occur, several bad things must converge. If we're excluded from the Russian system, we may not even notice it at first. Our system remains operational. We have power plants working, the control center is working, everything is fine. But if it's a cold winter with peak consumption, and then something happens to our external connections, for example a large cable to Finland is switched off, then the situation may arise when we no longer have enough electricity to supply all our consumers. Talking worst-case scenarios, we must be prepared for a half-day blackout. It could be worse still, with some regions in Estonia only getting electricity back after a few days. In an interview with Jinju Radias, Lithuania's energy minister, Dainius Krevis, attempts to quell fears, insisting that if Russia pulled the plug on Brel, all the Baltic countries would be safe and Russia itself would be in hot water. Let's start by answering the question of whether Russia could turn Brel off. In our opinion, Russia cannot do this because it will face bigger problems itself. This is one aspect. The second aspect is that operators in Lithuania have drawn up concrete plans on how our system would work if we were to be disconnected from Brill. I can say that we would probably, in an instant, move to function as an island. All three Baltic countries coordinating electricity production, frequency control and other things. Then, a few hours later, a connection to Polish links would be established and through Poland to European continental links and automatically all European links will help us to maintain frequency. I would like to point out that last December we tested the synchronous connection and it works perfectly. That is why we're calm today. We can all sleep soundly and I think it's not us that is anxious. Meanwhile, Poland welcomes the opening of the Baltic Pipe, reports Polsky Radio, through which gas from the Norwegian shelf will begin to flow on Saturday. At the opening ceremony earlier this week, 
President Duda emphasised that the pipeline had become a reality thanks to people with a vision of becoming independent from Russia. After many years of discussion and often political wrangling in various desperate failed attempts, today we are finally opening this gas pipeline. We can safely say that this was for decades the Polish dream. The dream of those who had a vision of diversifying gas supplies to Poland, of strengthening our country's sovereignty and our independence from Russian supplies. As of today, the 30th of September, the last direct land route into the EU has closed to Russian tourists as Finland shuts its border. And on Wednesday, following the latest escalation of the war and Moscow's bid to annex four Ukrainian territories, Brussels tabled an eighth set of sanctions against Russia. The latest measures include a cap on the price of Russian oil, which could take the form of a refusal to ensure Russian crude shipments sold above a certain price. In addition, 7 billion euros worth of trade restrictions could hit Russian exporters of a range of products, including semiconductors, aircraft parts and household appliances. Brussels' proposal is currently being discussed by member states in the Council. Mihai Sebe, an expert in European affairs at the European Institute of Romania, a public advisory body, told Radio Romania what the new sanctions might look like and what else was required for them to be effective. The sanctions already target products including high technology and transportation equipment, and we will very likely see pressure placed on new areas such as the financial arena, free movement and so on. There were also recent issues relating to the removal of visa facilities granted to Russian citizens. Most likely, the new sanctions will follow the same exponential logic and we will witness additional pressure, financial and other, in the field of energy. Sanctions work, but they are only effective insofar as there is increased coordination with other international partners. In recent weeks, the EU has worked closely with like-minded partners such as the United States to coordinate sanctions. It has also worked with the World Bank, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, and other international partners to prevent Russia, for example, from obtaining funding from these institutions. The package also proposes freezing the assets of more oligarchs and senior officials close to Moscow, who participate in or benefit from the war, bringing the number of sanctioned individuals to some 1,300. Marc Botenga, an MEP from the Belgian left, tells RTBF that while the sanctions to date have had a mixed effect, this is precisely where we should be targeting our efforts. The sanctions are certainly hurting EU citizens as they have pushed up energy prices. That much is clear. In the beginning, they were also counterproductive as we saw Gazprom announcing exceptional profits. So, in the end, the discourse was one of, we're going to cut off the war machine, stop financing Putin's war machine. From that perspective, it was a failure. This doesn't mean to say that sanctions have no effect on the Russian economy, but what we have said from the start is that we must target the oligarchs who support the war. To do this, we need to draw up a financial register that tells us exactly where these oligarchs are, but not only that, also where their capital is. Because right now, it can be enough for an 
oligarch to say, I'm giving this to my brother, my wife or my friend to escape sanctions. So if our sanctions have only a theoretical effect on oligarchs, but a very real impact on the population, this is pure theatre. These sanctions risk being symbolic, whilst they're very real for European citizens and clearly for the population in Russia. Following Sunday's much-discussed elections, the new political landscape is slowly taking shape in Italy. Linas Koyala, director of the Eastern Europe Studies Centre in Vilnius, tells Giniu Radias that Giorgio Maloney's election is unlikely to impact Italo-Lithuanian relations in any major way, but she stresses that this does rely on Meloni following the party line, so to speak, on the aforementioned sanctions. Sanctions and the overall policy toward Russia are important to us, of course, so we hope that the position Mario Draghi has defended in a really principled way will remain more or less unchanged in the context of the new government. In Spain, government spokesperson Isabel Rodriguez noted that the Italians had voted for Maloney in a free and democratic process, says Esradio. She did, however, express concern about some of the statements we have heard during the election campaign. Statements, for example, on EU finances, women's rights and migration policy that are not in line with the European model. France's Euradio spoke to Ettore Greco, the executive vice president of the IAI, a Rome-based think tank specialising in international politics. While the Italian foreign affairs expert does not believe Giorgio Maloney will turn out to be the next Viktor Orban, he acknowledges that there are several key issues that are likely to cause substantial friction between right-wing Rome and Brussels. One key problem that even other governments have tried to put on the table in Europe several times is migration and control of flows of migration. But Italy has never been capable of convincing its partners to show a higher degree of solidarity and to accept a revision of the rules regulating the management of refugees. That's a key point. It's an issue widely felt among the Italian population and certainly below will try to extract concession in this regard in Europe. The second big problem will be the revision of budgetary rules, the rules of the growing stability pact, and Meloni certainly will insist within the European Union to soften the current rules, particularly regarding deficit and the debt, and try to obtain a higher degree of flexibility in managing public finances. Warsaw, however, seems more enamoured with the latest turn of events than many other European capitals, says Polski Radio. Poland's Deputy Minister of National Defence, Wojciech Skurkiewicz, is not alone in thinking that the change of guard in Rome will give Poland a chance to tighten cooperation with one of the EU's heavy hitters. Among other things, a so-called blocking majority can be created. This is related to the population of a given country. Italy is one of the largest countries in the European Union, so this is undoubtedly a significant change that will certainly be reflected in the attitude of the European Commission, of Brussels, of the European Parliament, towards many of the measures taken by conservative governments. Yet Luxembourg's foreign minister, Jean Asselborn, told 100.7 that the Commission must not shy away from turning the thumbscrews on any government that fails to play by the rules. Italian 
Italy is a country that needs a lot of Europe and a lot of finance from Europe. The flip side is that European values must be respected. The treaties are not an absolute guarantee that democratic values are upheld. We can see that in several countries. But still, the treaties set a framework. And since December 2021, we have an instrument with which to tighten the screws on member states. I hope the European Commission will do its job here. In northern Italy, Social Democrat and member of Italy's Slovenian minority, Tatiana Reutz, is celebrating her re-election as a senator. Her celebrations, though, are marred by Georgia Maloney's victory, which she sees as a major setback for her community. RTV Slovenia reports. The Italian right is not liberal. Unfortunately, this is how it is. It was liberal when we still had the old republic. And the statesmen's being made right now by some of those who have been elected, especially in Meloni's Brothers of Italy party, scare me a lot. Specifically, they demonstrate this party's distinctly anti-Slovenian position. I have a hard time believing someone who talks a good game in Rome or Brussels, but then comes to Trieste and forgets all the evils that we, the people of the Slovene literal, have been experiencing for 25 years. This said, Slovenian Premier Robert Golob expects relations between Slovenia and Italy to continue as normal and is hopeful that Reutz's re-election bodes well for the Slovenian minority in Italy too. As you know, I come from the border area, so I have a good understanding of the position of the people in Italy and the Slovenian minority. It seems that this Slovenian minority will be among the winners because Senator Tatiana Reutz was elected to Parliament. Maybe this small victory can fill us, even the Slovenian minority, with optimism. Meanwhile, the political upheaval in Rome has caused domestic tensions in Germany, where MEP and European People's Party leader Manfred Weber has been heavily criticised for his vocal support for fellow EPP party Forza Italia. This is because Berlusconi's right-wing Conservative Party is likely to form a coalition with Meloni's Brothers of Italy and Matteo Salvini's Lega Nord, leader of the German Greens, Riccardo Lang, sees a need for action. I expect my colleagues from the CSU, especially Manfred Weber, who featured in Italy's election campaign, to clearly distance themselves from the right and from the Italian fascists. It is not acceptable for an EPP party to publicly support a far-right government. I think the case in Italy shows us once again how important it is for conservatives to take a clear stand against fascism and right-wing extremism and put up a firewall. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week for another trip around the Euronet Plus network. Network.